0: you might be listening and you kind of think, um, I'll be all right. I, I know who some good preachers are. I can get their podcasts. I can listen to sermons. I've got plenty of Bible input in my life. I don't really need someone around my life. You're wrong. What's up, boss? This is Abraham's Wallet. We span the gap between the austerity of obedience to God and the prosperity rising from faithfulness. Run your home and your dough like a biblical boss. Mark, how are you today?
1: I'm good. I uh, I woke up early and went to adult gym class oh and so I'm very tired but I I feel
0: invigorated even though my body is tired adult gym class what do they do in adult gym class they make you wear less than normal amount of clothes uh
1: yes that is true and that's just what we call crossfit at our house but oh okay um,
0: adult gym
1: yeah it's it's not that different from, from junior high gym class where some dude yells at you about your inadequacies and tells you to, you know, try harder at things,
0: stuff like that. But you don't have to shimmy up a rope. That's the main thing. You often
1: do have to. Oh, shimmy you up do
0: it. have to shimmy. Well, boy, it is like junior high. That doesn't sound fun. I'm glad I did not do that today. <laughs> um, but yeah,
1: other than that, it's it's a pretty good morning. What, what's up in your world?
0: It's a lovely morning here in Cincinnati. You can feel that fall is in the air. The mornings are very cool. The leaves are starting to come down. It's dinner on the deck. Weather is very pleasant. We're
1: we're getting geared up for Sukkot before too long. So Yes. We'll probably talk about that in one of these episodes. But uh, I've yes. got I've got a f- Home Depot gift card that I have been saving for the ultimate Suka build this year.
0: Oh, I see. You're going to do it up. Yeah. Yeah, Fall festivals are in full swing, which usually means a raft of emails around my circles of everybody that's hosting and has their great ideas. Our friend, Justin Wolfenberg is having people out to his cabin in Indiana. Um, can't Overnight camp out optional. There are also, also some friends in Kentucky are doing that. So yeah, fun days. Fun days, fall festivals. Um,
1: before we jump into to the show this week, you know, I had an interesting conversation with Oh, our... we're
0: already in the show. This is the show. This, this is, is the, show the show that's happening. Oh. Yeah, right
1: now. Before we jump in uh, to the main course in oh. this in this dinner of financial and household wisdom. Uh, I wanted to just throw in one comment that I got from our mutual friend, Jeremy Pryor, as I was talking to him uh, last week. And it's really relevant to what we talked about in the podcast on Mars Hill, where we used the P word for the first time. I think that I don't think we've used that word a whole lot on this podcast, but we use the word patriarchy and Jeremy a made a scary word. He made a good point that I just wanted to kick your way and get some reactions to, which was that there is not. So if you look up the definition of the word patriarchy, it's all the, the negative stuff. Oh, and, really? and it was actually not a word in the English dictionary prior to the 70s. So it was created to mean abusive uh, male dominance in all sorts of arenas. The word patriarch is right. very, very old and very biblical. Very And, old. and what Jeremy told me is, you know, we don't, we don't need to go out and take back, take that word patriarchy, which has always meant something negative and, uh, make it into something positive. What we <laughs> should do is be precise with our words and describe the father led family household system that is biblical that is led by patriarchs, but it, you know, I don't know. I just, I thought that was insightful that maybe, you know, my inclination to towards controversy makes me want to say, well, patriarchy is not a bad thing. And yeah. Yeah. And, uh, he, he taught me some things about the history of that word and maybe it isn't our word. So I don't know. What do
0: you think? Um, I, I'm usually not bothered by syntax. So if uh, what we believe in is that God has this system whereby fathers come correct, they know what they're made to do, they do it with increasing excellence, and as they do it with increasing excellence, they get more responsibilities in the kingdom and in other people's lives. So uh, I don't care what you call that. Um, from, I think we, we use the word, I don't know, patriarchy in the Mars Hill episode, um, because it's shorthand for what I just said. Um, I will defend to the death that ours is a faith of patriarchs. Yes. So Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, those are the patriarchs. There are others in the Bible, but those are the classic ones in Judaism. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't, that's fine. I, I, w- I have no problem taking Jeremy's advice, which is don't use that word because it flips some people out because they don't have a a long, a, they don't have a definition with very deep roots. Yeah. Okay. No problem.
1: And we do know that Jeremy, his constitution is probably the polar opposite of mine in that he's quite a peacemaker and quite good at <laughs> gentleness, whereas I am a
0: heat seeking missile for conflict. So. <laughs> And he's also a little more technically minded. He's he's more of an yeah. engineer. I, I need guys like
1: that in my life, though, because they'll tell me, hey, roll off the uh, the the headstrong approach from time to time. So right, I, right. I do appreciate that we had that conversation, and I thought his perspective was interesting. But An
0: attack from the front isn't always as effective as a flank. You know...
1: It's a great segue, Stephen, into what we're going to talk about today, oh. which is that we need mentors. You know, you and I do work with clients on financial planning, and a part of that is we ask them some pointed questions every month, Yes, and one of the the questions a few months ago we asked was about rhythms and relationships and what is your biggest felt need in this area, and I would say... 60, 70% of the people, male and female, wrote that they felt a deep like, uh, gap in yeah. the area of good mentors and yes. mentorship. So we thought we would tackle that for a minute.
0: Yes, and the subject is particularly apropos. Um, at this time in my life, we, we mentioned last week. Um, what were we talking about last week? Funerals. Yes, we were talking about funerals <laughs> because I was in Texas doing a funeral. That, that, that was really so, apropos. Sometimes
1: you got you to gotta update your mentors because they expire. That well, happens. that's
0: true. But um, in the last month, I, I've had two, two really key mentors in my life up and die on me. And one of them was my Uncle Gerald, who, who we mentioned, uh, whose funeral I did. This was the man, I don't remember if I said this, I apologize if I'm repeating myself. This is the man who ordained me um, as a minister back in the 90s. This is a man who showed me what being a pastor was, not just somebody that preaches on the weekends, but somebody who takes care of a whole bunch of people that are under his charge and really serve them with his life. And then um, there's a, another guy I'll just mention uh, just describe for a second because he was he was uh, part of the the formation of our relationship. Um, a guy named Michael O'Shields uh, led a house group that uh, my sister hosted in her home in Arlington, uh, Texas, and uh, you and I were a part of that in fits and starts for a while, received ministry from him and received training under him. This is the guy that God told the the foundational skills that are mentioned at the beginning of Hebrews six, he felt the Lord told him, you're going to be teaching people these foundations and and the phraseology Michael would have used is, you're going to lay foundations for the rest of your life. And so he taught a, a course called the basics, which was just those six skills at the beginning of Hebrews six. And I can speak for myself and for guys like Mark Douglas and say, the, those concepts were really key to, uh, relaunching our, um, our spiritual lives, I guess, uh, taking us to a new place in our twenties. And while I'm mentioning it, I'll just throw out there that, I developed a course in the last, I don't know, 15 years that incorporated Michael's teachings about those Hebrew six basics. And we call it, he called it the basics. We call it critical skills because we'd say those, those skills are critical to growing up in the Lord. And you can, you can have that course for free. You could do it with your small group at a website called save, heal, deliver.us. And you can get a, you can get the little course there and hear me teach for hours. What I'm really doing is regurgitating stuff from the the men who have mentored me, including Michael O'Shields. So let's talk about the concept. Sure. Well, let me start with just the terms. So we're going to use the word mentors. It's one of any number of, uh, words you could use if like patriarchy, the word mentor, uh, short circuits you somehow pick a new word, um, call it disciple making. If you want, um, call it parenting. Um, I'm going to read some verses that, um, that, that put men and women equally on the hook. Um, and I, I find that this concept, um, certainly it's on my mind because of these men that I've just lost. Um, But it applies to family life every single day for us. Let me start with the Shema. This is Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. It is one of the core passages in all of Judaism. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. So this is a key core passage for how Jewish life in a home works. Let me just point out a couple of things about this passage that says, love God with all your heart. It says the words that I command to you, you have to teach them diligently to your children. And then it describes the sort of highways and byways of family life and says you should teach them there. So it says you should teach them in their house. You should teach them when you walk along the sidewalk, when you lie down at night, when you rise up in the morning, the list could go on. You should teach God's ways when you have a baby in the seat of the grocery shopping cart. You should teach them when you're strapping kids into booster seats in the car. You should teach them when you're at the playground. You should teach them when you're getting together with friends over coffee. This, the pattern is clearly that parents, I'm underlining that word, parents, parents, first and foremost, must talk to, explain, and reinforce the gospel with their children. Now, I'll just say it's not a professional's job. It doesn't It doesn't say that we need to find the right people we can farm our children out to so that others might teach them. It says you teach them to your children. So it doesn't matter how sophisticated you feel in your spiritual life. It doesn't matter how biblically literate you feel that you are. It doesn't even matter how mature you think you are as a believer. It's not someone else's job to teach your children the faith. It's your job. So this, this, this concept of an older generation teaching a younger generation how to walk with God is is key and core and foundational to our life of faith. So we as as finance guys, I'll just throw this this comes to mind as I'm talking about this, we're very interested in multi-generational wealth, and oh, you don't have to look very far to come up with examples of people who, Hand off wealth to children who are not mature and ill-prepared to receive money. Now, if you're spiritually mature, money can, can put gas in the engine of all the things that you feel you want to do in God. If you're spiritually immature, money can actually lead you away from God. They can help, money can help you bankrupt your faith and put you into all sorts of trouble. So we can't talk about um, IRAs and 401ks and retirement money and creating trusts for your children and even edu- putting education money aside in 529s and other, other programs unless we also talk concurrently with that of raising your children to become spiritually mature so that money doesn't ruin them. So we don't want to bankroll our children's worldliness with money. We want to set them up so that as they mature, money isn't a hindrance to them doing doing executing the family vision. So, we believe that this concept of raising up your children in the faith and parenting them affects educational decisions. It affects our the financial decisions we make with them. It affects our church life. That is, I'm not going to be a part of a church where there's a great youth program, but we don't train people in how to be mature in the Lord. We're not going to be a part of that. It would it, it affects friendships. We've talked about curating our friends, our children's friendships, and even our own friendships. We have to make choices about where we invest our time. This this concept of Mentoring our children is really key. It's it. I, I feel like I have to establish that as a foundation before I can talk about other kind of mentoring relationships. You have anything to add on all that?
1: No, I think I assume we're going to get into this, but I think a lot of people look and go, "What do I do if if I'm the first parental mentor in my line?" The answer is kind of, "Well, you need to go find someone who can teach you that stuff." So. I'm interested for us to get into the, to the details of how do we acquire this type of skill?
0: Great. Well, I'll, I will give away part of my story later um, by saying it's been hard for me in my life to find mentors all the time. And Deuteronomy six does not say if you have great models around you, then you can do the same thing for your kids. What it says is, The words I'm commanding you today, they need to be on your heart and you need to teach them to your children. So if you don't know how to do that, I certainly have no uh, aspersions to cast on you. You get no judgment from me. I I honor somebody who's trying to follow the Lord and hasn't had uh, good modeling. We're going to talk about how to overcome that challenge. However, not having good mentors around you does not let you off the hook of this command so i i would just say you can simply do what this verse says which is you take god's word you meditate on it and then you teach it to your children really simple like read the bible to your family and talk to them about what you think it means if you do that you're doing great you're doing great you you certainly get a passing grade you probably get a b or an a simply by reading god's word to your family and talking to your family about what it means. If if believing men would simply do that in their homes, uh, it would revolutionize the Christian culture in our nation. If we did this simple thing, read God's word and talk to your children about what you think it means.
1: Let me chime in real quick. Yeah. We've talked about it many times, but we asked our, our Amish buddy once, what do you do to disciple or mentor your family? (laughs) Yeah. And he said, well, nothing, I don't think not really. And then he's like, I mean, we just read the Bible three times a day out loud together and talk about it. (laughs) And it, it was just a muscle that he had built without knowing it. Um, the, the That was just a normal part of life And you know something else That I heard in the last week Was somebody told me how important It is for your kids to hear you Chewing on scripture yes. So even if You think your insight Just uh, You know David Sheldon our mutual Friend told me a couple weeks ago Hey start reading the Psalms out loud and just see what happens And So I've been doing that. And even if you think, oh, I I feel like I got a little nugget of wisdom here, but I'm not sure it's very deep or insightful just to have in front of your kids to say, hey, I was reading a psalm today and this stuck out to me and struck me. It's really good for them to see you kind of pondering scripture and it will change the way because I've noticed sometimes when we do our, our dinnertime Bible reading we're going through old Testament book right now, and it's a lot of stories and they're like, Oh, story time. Cool. But it's very easy for them to just kind of go, that was a good story and move on. So I like to also incorporate something in there where they get the sense of, Oh, this is something we're supposed to chew on and digest and, and ponder. So, um, both reading the Bible and discussing it with your family, but also, Bring them, it can be one sentence. I read this verse today, and it made me think about this. That's great.
0: Win. Yes, yes. Just one more verse to throw into the Shema, uh, Deuteronomy 6. And this is this verse a lot of us have heard, Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. The way a child should go isn't necessarily... This is the the best way to um, change a tire on the car. This is the best way to chop up an onion. Those are all great ways to mentor and train up your child. But the way a child should go is according to God's word. We we The scriptures tell us that the way to walk is according to God's word. So train up a child in the way he should go is as simple as putting God's word in front of them. As, as you've been describing now, I just want to th- I want to throw out a, a, another couple of a, another concept, which because parenting natural kids is a bit more intuitive for us. We can feel the pressure of, oh, I'm their reference point, point for life. But but we're supposed to be doing this spiritually as well, that we're supposed to be finding people that we are spirit spiritually training in the same way that we would physically and naturally and practically train our children. As as an example, I remember I was twenty one. The idea of discipling isn't something that I was raised in church to to understand. Because by the way, this isn't how churches work. There's a man that stands in the front who says some who says hopefully some biblical things to you and then you walk away. You're not sure how to process it or what how to apply it to your life biblically that that process is called shepherding where some where somebody a father parenting figure in your life actually walks you through applying things so i was 21 this had landed in my brain that this is what i'm supposed to be doing and one of the men that god put in front of me was a 46 year old man who had kids who were like high school age and i was 21 and it was clear that God wanted me to mentor this man. And I, I had some reservations about that. Well, what do I know? He, he knows a lot more about life than I do. And God kind of shrugged his shoulders and said, you know, a lot of, more about me than he does. So you could, you could help this guy out. Huh? Okay. Well, we're going to get to having the humility of that guy of being of you maybe being the 46 year old and finding a 21 year old and going, you've been walking with God for a while. I, I, I haven't, maybe you could help me. So let me, I I just want to establish the model. Okay. Let me read a couple more passages that talk about mentoring more broadly. Okay. Titus two, three through five famous passage concerning women. It says, Older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. The, The point I'm making here is this phrase, that they're to train the young women. So this is interesting. This is, this is an older woman, an older woman. It doesn't say that sh- her responsibility is to her children, her natural children necessarily. It's to anyone who's younger than her and she can show her how to be good at being a wife. First Peter five says, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that's going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that's among you. one another. So in this in these two passages, we've got the Titus passage about a woman just mentoring younger women. In 1 Peter 5, we've got a charge to elders that is you set an example for people. You don't dominate people, but you willingly watch over someone else's life. I'm just trying to establish that this is a common pattern scripturally, not just that you mentor your own natural children, but that you find other people outside of your home that you, you live out an example to that would mean talking about your life, describing your life. That's, that's how you be an example to somebody. How does somebody know what you're struggling with or what your prayer life is like, unless you actually talk about it and that you give them oversight. You're, you're watching over what's happening with them and you're giving feedback to, um, improve them. And I, and I say improve, meaning helping them towards godliness, toward more biblical, godly living. And we, and you know, that would require being frank with them at times. So this pattern is, is common throughout scripture. I just want to establish that. Now I want to turn the corner. I hope it stands to reason that if we believe in the concept of mentoring. And we think it's supposed to happen from older people to younger people that we should also receive and even seek out mentoring for ourselves. You know, we, we're the children sometimes. Yep. Um, I, I was interested in making disciples early on, so I was also keen to be discipled myself and I looked for mentors everywhere that I could. I I think I've told this story before, but there was a guy at my church in Houston named Tommy Hill, who spent time with me and a couple of other friends. I didn't know it because he didn't use the terminology at the time, but he was mentoring and discipling us. I didn't know it, but he was, I I, I didn't understand the concept, but I know that he let me into his life and I wanted more of that. Um, Then later in my life, there was a guy named Carl Nyquist. I met him in Scotland When I was living overseas, he's the one that turned the light bulb on to me of this concept of spiritual parenting. This is something that you should want. I, oh, well, that was news to me from from that moment when, when Carl was in my life, I started actively looking for people. And so this is kind of where we want to land is how you find these people. And one great way is just to tell people (laughs) just to tell people I'm looking for someone who's been where I haven't yet been spiritually. And I was going to move to Dallas and I asked Carl, do you happen to, I mean, I don't know why a guy living in Scotland who's originally from Nebraska would know anybody in Dallas, but I asked him, might, you know, anybody in Dallas who could spend time with me? And his, his answer was absolutely. He said, the guy who mentored me, And I'm, I'm, this is Carl talking. When I lived in Kenya, the guy that mentored me there now lives in Dallas and he would love to, to meet you and spend time with you. Well, I tracked this guy down. He was a fiery old uh, Texan named Alan Stickney. And I started spending time with Alan Stickney. Now, I, I think it's important to say that if when you're looking for someone that you just want to I always felt myself like um, one of those little fish that hangs around sharks when sharks are destroying some fish and they're leaving chum which is a word I don't get to use very often they're leaving kind of chum bits all around in the water because they're gnawing on some huge fish and then there's little there's little tiny parasite fish that just to get to eat the bits that are kind of in the wake of a killer shark. That's what I always felt like around the men that I wanted to hang around with, which is these guys live what I perceive to be exciting lives in God. And they have exciting spiritual lives and I just want to hang around them. And maybe they'll invite me to some of their meetings sometime. Maybe they won't, but I'll get to hang around them and see what their habits are like, see what their marriages are like. And I think it's, key to tell people that sometimes the people that you're receiving from wouldn't say this is an official discipling mentoring relationship I have with you they, they might not say that and they might not even be comfortable with that but that's unimportant again getting back to syntax I don't care who calls it what I just want to be around them and get the stuff uh, one of the people I found in my life was a, another cantankerous Texan named Peb Smith. I came across this guy and just realized he understands some things about walking with God's spirit that I don't understand. I just want to be around this guy. And I, a couple of, on a couple of different occasions, I talked to him. And then I think I talked to him with my wife and said something like, Hey, we really want to, we really want to make it official that you're kind of like a spiritual father to us or something like that. And he completely shrugged it off. Oh, no, no, no. I, I, I'm not doing anything like that. P- people get abused and there's control and manipulation that happens in those relationships sometimes. So I, I'm not even touching that. And my wife and I just looked at each other, shrugged our shoulders and basically said, well, well, we'll just go on spending time with you, garnering whatever we can from your life. And if you don't want to call it, uh, mentoring whatever but we still received a whole bunch from these people just by hanging around them. So, um I got some other verses I want to throw out. What do you, yeah, what are your thoughts? Before you do,
1: I think it's really important. I know there's people listening to this going, "Yeah, yeah, thank you for all the foundational information, but I'm just trying to get some tactics." And I think you just gave a couple really good ones that have worked in my life. I mean, Mark Douglas, who's been on the podcast, is a guy who you, I connected to through the exact same me- method that you just described, which is you may not know anyone in your town that is a discipler or even a candidate uh, for somebody you'd like to, to glean from. Uh, so find people who you do know, even if they live in a different country and say, hey, have yes. you got any connections? And it might take it might take two orders of removal before you get to someone. But I guarantee you, unless you're, you know, and I know we do have listeners in some rural spots and this might not you you might not have luck here. But for most people in medium to large cities, um, you'll be able to find someone that's networked to someone who can go, oh, that would be an interesting person for you to go have a coffee with. I think that's a great way to find somebody who you might be able to meet with is just talk to anybody who you say, this is the type of person I'm looking for and say, I know that you and I are too far apart. Do you know anyone in the state of yes. Idaho, uh, where I am? And they'll go, no, but I think I've got this connection and he's in Utah and he might know some Idahoans. Um, yes. And, then, and, and I'll throw,
0: I'll throw out. That sometimes the people that you can receive from, they're just good, faithful believers, but they don't have, they have kind of the old church model that I described. They, they don't have in mind that, oh, I'll meet with you for coffee every other week and I will mentor you. They, they often don't know how to do it. And I wouldn't let that stop me. Uh, I would just pursue them and I would start my recommendation is that you bring these people um, the chewy spiritual stuff you're working on. Just share it with them. You could say I'm working on Psalm 51 and I feel convicted about my sin. Can I, let me get your thoughts on it. I'm just going to read this passage. What do you think about that? Or you just start talking to them about a problem. "I'm, I'm finding myself impatient with my wife. And let me tell you two examples of, how I think I screwed up last week, what do you think about that and just just get their just get their input similarly, ask them questions about now what do, what do you do with the lord how are you how are you interfacing with the scriptures and just interview them and ask their advice? I've gotten more out of that simple model than coming up to to trying to find some magical old man who goes. Yes, I've been waiting for you. Here is my program. I have a three year program for discipling people and I will disciple you. That's kind of the fantasy that a lot of us have. It doesn't really work that way. So you should just know going in, here's what I want. And you can always start with somebody just by going, can you tell me how you met the Lord? I want to tell you how I met the Lord. And let's start comparing notes. And you'll probably find that as they tell that, you'll probably go, wait, 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 tell me more about it. you say you met the Holy Spirit. What, what does that mean? You, you met the Holy Spirit in, in California in 1987. What, what do you mean? What, what, what? And just just start to find information. And they they might say, well, I, I can't really explain that to you unless I open up and show you Acts chapter two. Okay, now we're talking. I've got a pen and paper out and I'm scribbling. And one thing that you'll find is if people see that you're taking what they say very seriously and you're, say, writing it down, they'll give you good stuff. They'll give you better stuff. So that's one tip I have is to not not hope for or expect somebody who has a magical program they're going to send you on because most people don't don't know what that program is so you just have to go look i'm gonna be a sheep i'm gonna have i'm gonna have my my jaws moving i'm gonna eat everything that you throw out and i'm gonna be prompting you to give me more stuff does that make sense yeah i mean not everyone has read manuals manual yeah that's right
1: for the listeners who don't know steven wrote a entire uh what would in today's modern era be probably an ebook but back then <laughs> yeah that's was, that's right it was uh it was a homemade brochure on how to do discipleship meetings and yes. uh i still think i have a copy right here by my desk
0: yeah i gave uh, two copies away in the last uh, two copies I, I shared the document with two people in the last oh it's month. electronic now <laughs> well, well, it always was a word doc. I oh. should probably, I should probably put them somewhere where the public can get to them. But anyhow, that's a strong tip to me. Uh, one is ask around, tell people you're looking for some input. Uh, number two, you might have to pepper them with questions. If you, some of you have heard the way that I handle, forgive that expression, handle my parents' on, on podcast episodes, which is I, I have to prime the pump. I have to ask them the things I'm looking for. And you'll, you'll probably have to do the same thing unless you've got an unusual person on your hands. Can I, can I throw in a couple
1: tidbits on that top point? Please, please. Um, I don't know if I've ever talked about it on the Abraham's wallet podcast, but I've got some, some tips on buying a, a washing machine that I think are pretty pretty apropos to finding a mentor.
0: Mm, okay. Um, Interesting.
1: Have you ever had to buy a washing machine? Stephen? Never. Okay. Well, you can go out and you can pay a thousand dollars for a washing machine. Yes. But what I found is that if you need a washing machine and you have a local classifieds Craigslist or whatever it is in your area, just find 10, nice new washing machines that probably are worth 800 bucks a pop and text all of those people and say, I'll give you $50 and I'll be there in 10 minutes to pick this thing up. And nine of those people are going to give you the bird. But one of (laughs) those persons is going to say, I'm moving right now and I've got 15 minutes to get out of here and I have to have it gone. So just come get it. Um, and I think with, with finding a mentor, I have experienced that it takes some some uh, spraying of offers to a bunch of people before mm-hmm. you necessarily are going to get takers. So some people will say yes, and then you'll have one meeting and they'll go, that was nice. I'm really busy. Um, some people just... Are going to be a slightly uncomfortable with it, even if they are the type of people you like to hang out with. So they're not going to be game for a regular meeting because they just don't have a context for what that looks like. Don't be discouraged. Keep just putting the offers out there, and eventually somebody's going to go, "Oh, this this is exactly great." That's kind of one of my tips. The other one is you don't have to identify someone who can give you a, a seven course meal of spiritual maturity. Yes. You can find somebody who you might be more mature than them on five different things, but they've got something you would like to to learn. Great um, point. And don't don't think that because so and so, you know, they've got a kid that's kind of going sideways here, and I don't know, they maybe don't meet every qualification for what I would like to be someday, but they really seem to know the Lord and know how to pray. Well, if that's something you'd like to go get, then feel free. Um, you know, I we've talked about it before. You know, there's there's mentorship in areas that are non-spiritual. Uh, my my dad mentored me very effectively in personal finance and how to manage money. He had a copy of The Millionaire Next Door on the on the counter growing up and we talked through those types of concepts and I watched that he brought in large amounts of money and didn't live like most people who, who brought in that much money. Um, you know, he, he put me through training as a kid. So I've got some, some footing for when I'm trying to train my own kids when it comes to money because I saw him do it. Um, that's great. And that's just an example of like one, you can get mentorship, discipleship in different areas as you need it. And I'd say go uh, go look for those gaps in your own development and find them. And don't be too picky if if somebody feels like, well, they're not very socially um, yeah, right. adept or that, you know, that's fine. You're not looking for a best friend for, for all this stuff. Sometimes the Lord brings you one. Yeah. And then, you know, 25 years later, you find yourselves business partners and podcast mates. <laughs>
0: That's right. Yeah. I, I have another really good tip, which, uh, people have used on me before. Um, it is sometimes the case. Sometimes you find overlooked gyms, that have time on their hands and people don't know how great they are. That's a wonderful situation. Then you just go spend time on the dock with the old man who's fishing and you get to, you get the gold that other people are overlooking. Sometimes the people that you want, uh, FaceTime with they're First of all, they're rare people and sometimes they're busy and other people know that they're a value. Um, and I would, I just wouldn't let that stop you. Um, I wouldn't think, oh, he's probably got people in his life. I, I'll just go sit in the corner and play marbles because he would never want to spend time with me. No good. Don't do that. Instead, um, and I, I say again, people have done this with me. I've been, I'm, I've because I was a part of a big church for a long time, and I was kind of known as the guy that did these things. Men would come looking for me. And I would often have to tell them, hey, I'm packed right now. Sorry, I, I'm full up. I can't take on any other guys. And smart guys would say to me, they would say, let me come mow your yard. And what they meant by that was, what do you need done in your life? I will just come do it and I'll, and I'll spend time with you. So this weekend, for instance, I'm gonna re-roof my tree house. And I could use some hands. And if anybody wants to help me, they're going to get a good four hours of my time and probably a free subway sandwich um, thrown in the deal. If somebody will just come help me. Well, I know the guys that I can call who want to spend time with me. And that's a good that's a good deal. So if you if you have a if you're a young lady and you go, well, there's a really sharp older lady I want to spend time with and she's she's never available then you just ask her, could I come prep dinner for you sometime? Could, could I watch your kids for you? And maybe I can get 10 or 15 minutes with you on the front or back end of, of whenever you come and go. Just find ways to serve the people that you want time with. It's, it's, it's smart, and it also puts you in a place where you're already in submission to them, if you will, because you're serving them. You're mowing their grass. Um, make sense? Absolutely. Okay. So I'm uh, I'll I just want to throw in a little a little group of verses and then we'll be done. And it's simply that you might be listening and you kind of think um I'll be all right. I've I've kind of I've bumped my butt along uh, enough to this point. I I know who some good preachers are. I can get their podcasts. I can listen to sermons. I've got plenty of Bible input in my life. I don't really need someone around my life. You're wrong if that's what you say. I'm going to throw out some scriptures to you. Proverbs 12:15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Proverbs 11:14. Where there is no guidance, people fall, but in an abundance of counselors there is safety. So as you, as you were saying, Mark, I'm always looking for a team of people. I'm trying to collect. I always say I'm trying to collect gray beards, but I'm, I'm trying to collect people around my life who are experts at any number of things. I mentioned putting a roof on uh, my, my treehouse. I texted a couple of guys this morning because I know they know that world. And I asked, how thick does my plywood have to be? I want it as light as possible, but I want it to uh to keep my treehouse uh warm and watertight what what how how thick does the plywood need to be well I immediately got answers back because I have a team I'm trying to make the point I have a team of people I know who to talk to for tax advice I know who to talk to that's you I know who to talk to for um questions about the psalms that's david sheldon etc etc we're, we're looking for an abundance of counselors proverbs fifteen twenty two is the classic without counsel plans fail but with many advisors they succeed to me this goes hand in hand with in his heart a man makes his plans but the lord directs his steps the lord wants us making plans and he wants us to get counsel uh, around those plans i'll read one more Proverbs 19, 20 through 21. Listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. So that's what we're that's what we're here to stand for, which is the model of reproducing faith. It starts in the family as a model biblically. It's supposed to happen with you and other people who are down the line. It's also supposed to happen with you and people who are up the line. So that. I always say you want a Paul in your life who's leading you. You also want Timothy's in your life who you are leading. So I hope that's some some helpful tips on finding mentors. Uh, we've never done this before, but I, I want to dedicate this episode to Michael O'Shields and to my uncle Gerald Brown as as wonderful mentors in my life. Anything else from you? No, I feel like we could do a whole
1: nother episode where we just talk through uh, some of the experiences and and stuff that we've gotten from mentoring relationships. And honestly, I wouldn't even necessarily need to sing the praises of specific mentors. I could just tell you stories of how the Lord, in some cases, quite literally, put people in front of my path and Mm. it became like a gateway to, to maturity for me. So maybe we'll, we'll continue on mentors. I feel like we've laid a good foundation here, given a few tips and, uh, but I, I know there's more, there's more to, yeah. to,
0: to mine on this topic. There is well, I would encourage everybody just look for people in your life. Just be asking God, who are my teachers? There's a psalm that says, your teachers will be hidden from you no more. So just be asking God, who are the people in my life that are that are experts on a specific thing? Maybe not I'm submitting my whole life to them, but there's there are people that I'm looking for some I'm looking for some nuggets from. So bless you as you keep your eyes open to do those things in the coming week and uh, we'll see you next time. Adios. Adios.